From the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. It's Wednesday. Ed, Tyler, and Jared all in tow. Big show ahead, and we're going to get to the sadness here in a little bit. A little, couple segments away from the sadness. A couple segments away? Yeah. Also sad. Adam Hill came in here this morning. Well, not, a, asked, not a sad skull passing, but uh, <laughs> he was checking on Ben Wallace. That sure. is true. He was checking on him. What's happening with Ben Wallace over there? Our life-sized inflatable Ben Wallace. There's a weird stain between his legs that I'm a little concerned about. But uh, besides that, he's actually <laughs> holding up pretty well. Ed, what's what's the over/under? How long has Ben Wallace in the studio? Is he here at the end of September? Oh, September! I thought you were going to say August. All right, he's not going to be here at the end of September, apparently. What? What? No, no, I paid for that. That is our new John Gruden. He's not in here anymore. For those of you that are unaware, Jared bought approximately six foot five tall Ben Wallace inflatable. He's supposed to be six foot seven, but he isn't fully inflated. Yes, yeah. like Jared said before the show, he's leaking. Yeah, apparently leaking air. And there's been some drama with Steve Cofield removing him from the studio. Well, he doesn't like certain people. Ben Wallace? Ben Wallace? <laughs> I was... Never mind. <laughs> You're going to Please or go you. <laughs> anyway, he, he doesn't seem to like Ben Wallace, and so he removes him from the studio, and every time he does, we, he gets a little more deflated, which yeah. is very you start irritating. start him around, he's going to leak. Which is annoying, because you're supposed to... Like, he's got handles so that you can... Find the leak. Put some tape over it. He'll be good to go. It actually came with little patches yeah. and super glue. Final so. leak. Let's go. Ben Wallace should be fixed up. Steve Cofield's the leak. The first bite. Would you rather have Joey Gallo or Juan Soto? Oh, wait a minute. I thought it was who's the best team in nope. baseball. <laughs> Would you rather have Joey Gallo or Juan Soto, Ed? I'd rather have Juan Soto than oh. Joey Gallo. I already have Joey Gallo. His name's Max Muncy. <laughs> <laughs> I have Joey Gallo. Sure. Dodgers making a big move to go yeah. get Joey Gallo and his 159 batting average. They, By the way, Dodgers gave up their 15th best prospect to get Joey I Gallo? I, it's almost like they felt, well, we didn't do anything. Let's do something because Let's if not, people Joey are gonna, Gallo. because the fans are going to be mad that the Padres made 42 moves and we didn't make any. So Adam Hill was in here earlier, and he brought this story to my attention from NJ.com. Um, they had a Q&A with Joey Gallo, and here's how it went. Have you been living in Manhattan? Yeah. What's it like for you when Yankee fans notice you on the streets? Are they rough on you away from the ballpark, too? Gallo said, I don't go out in the street. <laughs> the, que- the, the question back wasn't even a question. It was just, yeah, that's sad. And Gallo said, yeah, I really don't want to show my face too much around here. And then in the Q&A, it continues where he says that um, he will get texts from players of other teams after they come into New York and play the Yankees that say, like, keep your head up. Because, We're sorry of all the booze. Right, We're because sorry. He is getting ripped, was getting ripped by Yankee fans constantly. Cause he said, you know, 159, not, not been very good. And he's getting torched by Yankee fans, but they traded him. So now he is a Dodger 
Well, much like with the Golden Knights, he's going to the soft media market, and he won't be he won't be noticed at all going around the L.A. No one will even know who he is. I mean, in all seriousness, the fortunate part for Joey Gallo, he got traded to a team that could win the World Series. He got traded from a World Series contender to a World, World Series contender. Like, it's completely possible he could have been traded to the Nationals yesterday. Right. He could have been traded to the Pirates yesterday. Well, they don't, none of those teams spend any money, but still. He could have been traded to a team that has no interest in trying to win, but he actually got traded to a team that yeah. can win. And, like, he hits home runs. Like he, he does. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I don't I saw it and uh I didn't get it. Uh but I I don't I hope look, I hope they didn't do something for the sake of doing something. That oh, would they be, had to match the Juan Soto strange. trade. That'd be that'd be stupid. Um so hey look, I'm hoping Joey Gallo finds something. I mean he's on the team now. Hope he gets to the DH and find something. Yeah, Max Muncy and Joey Gallo. Hitting, Same player. Hitting 150 I mean, with a few home runs. Gallo has more power, but they're both hitting 150. All right. Who is the best team in baseball after the trade deadline? The Astros. Hey, good answer. Why I you, you think believe that. Ad- really? I believe that. Why do you believe it's, they can't score against I, the Red Sox I thought, at the moment? I thought they were the best team beforehand. Okay. And they I'm did not, not gonna... trade for Juan Soto, though. They didn't. I'm tired of talking about that guy. <laughs> we going to talk about that guy all day. Tired as of soon him. as he is, he does he play today? As soon as he gets, they say he arrives today with the uh, you know with the with the throw-in bell. The, you know, the guy throw in, just toss him in. Yeah, toss him in. They debuting today. We're gonna have a lot of highlights tomorrow if they're debuting today. The fans won't be happy if he's not because they've already. I think they've already sold it out. So uh, if he doesn't debut today, you have a lot of <laughs> mad Padre fans. Like, where is the guy? So you're going Astros. I'm going Astros. I think I'm still going Yankees. Okay, they. For the majority of the season, have had the best record in baseball. They've not been as good recently, but they did not get one Soto. But they did go out and get some significant pieces, right? They got Frankie Montas to add to their rotation. They got a couple of relievers, despite having, like, the top three bullpen ERA in the game. And they got Andrew Benatendi to play some outfield. They also traded away a starter yesterday, right, at the deadline. A guy who's pitched a ton for yeah, them. Jordan Montgomery's got the second most innings yeah. pitched on that team, and they traded him for a center fielder from the Cardinals who has a below-average OPS this year. Um, that was a little strange. I guess they're kind potentially they want a better defensive center fielder so Aaron Judge doesn't have to play center field as much. But, like, the guy's not – he's a roughly average hitter, but he's not a very good hitter, like – so I, I'm like, they kind of had that in Joey Gallo, a guy who's really good defensively, who doesn't hit in the outfield. Granted, Gallo doesn't play center, but I, that was a little strange for them to trade away a guy who had pitched so many innings for them so far this year. But I still think it's the Yankees. The one thing to look at Yankees Astros, the Astros beat them five of seven this year. And in 2015, 2017 and 2019, the Astros eliminated the Yankees from the postseason. It's one thing to say the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now. I think it's another thing to say, can they beat the Astros? Right. Like, can they beat the Astros in a postseason right. series? And they haven't been able to do it. Toronto might be good enough to knock one of them off in the postseason, but it looks like we're going to get Astros Yankees in the ALCS, right? It's baseball. So it's probably a little, it probably shouldn't be just predicting the two best teams to get there. But Astros Yankees is a pretty likely mm-hmm. ALCS at the moment. And I think it'd be a great series. And We'll see if the Yankees can actually win a series against the Astros for once because they've never done it in the postseason. You guys added Trey Mancini, Christian Vasquez, and Will Smith. What do you think about it? Uh, pretty good. The Mancini trade I thought was fantastic. They needed a second catcher who hopefully will be their starting catcher. I complained about that Dusty. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Dusty's going to play the guy that can't hit the entire season. I'm going to be upset about it. So hopefully they play the guy that can hit. And then, Will, okay, Will Smith, you know, last year in the postseason didn't give up a run. 
It was like 12 or 13 innings pitched, like five hits, no runs allowed. He's been awful this year. He's ER, his ERA is like 4.6 or something, and his like expected stats say he should be even worse than that. Like he's been horrific this season after being the best yeah, reliever. Yeah, you guys in the full got season. what six, seven pitchers to begin with. Well, yeah, he's a reliever. The Astros are good yeah, starting pitchers. But I mean, you, you you have six, seven pitchers that are really, really good at the top of the at the top of the form in terms of starting pitching. Right. Oh yeah, Astros starting pitching is phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Like they they traded right. away a starter. Who's so I don't like, know how uh, much of a difference he's going to make. Yeah, it should be fine. I right, we'll see how much he gets used, but it's. It's good. I feel. I mean, I feel good about what the Astros did at the trade deadline in the National League. I feel good about what they did at the trade deadline a lot better than I feel good about somebody else. Are the Padres in the top tier with the Mets and the Dodgers now? They're not going to catch them in the standings. They're too far out. No, that out. doesn't. And and again, I don't know. I, I don't think Preller made all these moves thinking that they were going to win the division. Right. I, this was for the playoffs and the playoffs only. And. and I mean, for what with Juan Soto, it's for the future too. Like, you're gonna have him. For I a mean, couple does of years. Snell and Darvish show up? Because you know, probably Musgrove. Well, I think that's the key. Yeah. So if you look at the Padres, they, to me, their offense, like the Dodgers, came into this year with the best projected offense in baseball. Right. Max Muncy struggled a lot, and Cody Bellinger has struggled. Has been what he's been the last couple of seasons now, but they've still been really good. Not quite as good as like the Yankees. I, I think the Yankees still have more runs scored this year, but they've still been really good. But it was like the lineup depth for the Dodgers was like they don't really have any weaknesses, right? right? Again, Muncie struggled or whatever, but for the most part, you could have said that at the start of the season. Now with the Padres, because they added Soto and Bell, you can kind of say the same thing and how they got Brandon Drury yesterday too. That's another thing. An they got him like right season. at the end, right? Just, he's a, just throw him into the trade deadline too. Their lineup depth is now going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to have guys sitting on the bench that probably should be starting, right? Their lineup depth is incredible. But the starting pitching, you go into the postseason. Musgrove's been really good this year. You Darvish has been solid. I don't know who their third best pitcher is. And Blake Snell? He's going to give you like three innings in the postseason. Right. He's going to need 90 pitches to get through Because he's going to walk three, yeah. four, five, six guys. So I don't know who like their third best pitcher is. And so the Padres' path to like the World Series, they're going to have to win a three-game series, most likely against the Braves. Because the way it's set up, the Padres and Braves will likely play in the first round in a three-game series. And as of right now, they're behind the Braves and would have to play three in Atlanta. They will have to go to Atlanta and win two of three. Then they would get the one seed, whether that's the Dodgers or the Mets at the end of the year. They will then have to go play the one seed. So presumably a five-game series with the Dodgers, right? And then if they win that, then they're in the NLCS against the Mets or whoever else. In a seven-game series. That is just such a brutal path to winning the World Series where you're going to have to go through Braves, Dodgers, and then potentially Mets just to get to the World Series. That's that's brutal. Like The chances of the Padres doing that is probably going to be significantly low, even once we get to the postseason. So I think you could conceivably say the Padres should be in that sort of top tier with the Mets and the Dodgers. But A, they're not going to catch them in the regular season. And B, their postseason path is so difficult that it's still Dodgers, Mets, or it's going to likely be one of those two teams in the World Series from the National I think that's why we saw in the paper this morning, they're still like fifth or sixth in odds to win it. Yeah. They're like 10 to 1 to win it. They're not not above the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, the Mets. Right. Because it's what's going to happen in both leagues, the AL and the NL this year, because the AL and NL Central kind of suck. Right, the Brewers are going to win the NL Central most likely, and then 
Twins, Twins, Guardians, maybe the White Sox make a run. One of those three teams is going to win the AL Central. Those are going to be the two worst division winners this year. And in both leagues, the third and fourth best teams are probably going to be wild card teams. Yes. Right? The Braves and Padres yes. are better than whoever the NL Central right. winner is going to be. And the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays and Rays and probably Mariners are better than whoever's going to win the right. AL Central. So what it sets up is the the two the two best wild card teams are going to play each other and they're both going to be better than the other wild card matchup between the Twins and the wild card team and the Brewers and like the Phillies or whoever that is. And what's going to suck for potentially the Dodgers and potentially the Yankees? The two wild card teams, the Braves Padres series goes and plays the one seed. Right. So like in both leagues, home field if you care about that can be important. But it's probably going to be better to be the two seed than the one seed. Yeah. Because right now, Braves would play, or excuse me, Dodgers would play the winner of Braves. Padres, Padres Braves. And the Mets would the play Mets the would winner get of the Phillies or the Brewers. Brewers yeah. Or maybe the Cardinals are in that wild card spot. And in the AL, it would be Blue Jays and I think Mariners would go to the Yankees. Yankees. And the Astros would get the Twins right. or the, I can't remember, is it Rays right now that's in the third okay. wild card spot? Like you'd want, you want to be the two seed. Like your second, your first round opponent's going to be much easier. And that's probably more important than actual home field advantage. So what I'm telling you is you should tank for the two seed, Ed. Get down to the final week of the season. Well, that's within two games. I mean, they play Juan Soto like 13 more times. So, oh, I, When's the first Padres-Dodger game? This weekend. Oh, my God. In, in, You're here Monday, LA. right? In LA. You're here Monday, right? That's to be, ter- be determined based on what happens. Okay, Jared, <laughs> Monday, we might not do a show. Well, I mean, we'll be here, but we, it might just be playing Juan Soto highlights. That seems that seems fair. Yeah, like that might be the case. It, it, we might just like do we? You know, he's only hitting two forty six. He walks like every other. At-bat. He's only hitting two forty six. He's walked like ninety times. Walks like every game, and then he hits a couple home runs. Like I'm thinking, like you know, our condensed version of each game, and then just play that for our seven, eight o'clock, and nine o'clock hour. That seems yeah, no, that's doable. Yeah, and have super Ed, doable. Have Ed react to live react all the highlights. <laughs> we'll just turn on Ed's mic. You and I will go smoke a cigarette. I probably won't smoke inflate a cigarette. Ben Wallace. You, yeah, yeah, inflate Ben Wallace. So there you go. All right. Well, who's going to the World Series after the trade deadline? The Astros and the Mets. All right. Astros, Dodgers. I want it. All Coming right. up next. Astros, Padres. I actually do want that. I want to go to San Diego for the World Series. That'd be more fun. Oh, probably. that's right. Yeah. I right. forgot, I forgot you have money. Only to go to World Series games. That's what we do with it. Coming up next. The Dolphins really tried to get Tom Brady and Sean Payton. As far as the details of the judge's ruling uh, and some of the factual findings uh, she made, obviously we we agree with those. Um, I'm not sure uh, what distinction she was attempting to make between violent and nonviolent, um, but I'll but I'll let somebody else uh, sort that part out. This is the Juan Soto Show. Yeah. Good show name. I got some stats for you from uh, live live stats from Willie Pops Ramirez. You ready? In 19 career games against the Dodgers, Soto's hitting 213 and has struck out 14 times. He has drawn 13 walks, melee pitchers, matching the number of hits he has against them. He's hitting 150 against them this season and has struck out five times once every 5.2 plate appearances. This guy's going to do nothing. He is them. going to hit 565 no, this weekend. Not. Yeah, no, I was going to say 14 no, games, that's too small of a sample size. No. Yeah. It's over. He's going to play the Dodgers that many times the rest of the he's season. Got, he's got a lot of games left. I don't know if it's exactly 14, but they haven't played that much this year. And you know division opponents play like, what, 18 times or yeah. something like that? They've only played like two series against each other. So, so they, they play each other a ton. More. They have a lot. Yeah. 
In the five-game series in the NLDS, Juan Soto is going to hit six home runs. His on-base percentage is going to be 750. It's going to be great. He, They might lose, and he would still be the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> be great. Can't wait for it. All right. The Dolphins yesterday got docked a first and third round pick by the NFL because the Dolphins were tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Three different instances between 2019 and 2022. Uh, they initially had a meeting with Tom Brady when he was with, still with New England. Then again in 2021 when he was with, or when he was with Tampa Bay, uh, the second meeting or the second and third meetings, apparently, the Dolphins were offering Tom Brady part ownership. <laughs> they wanted him to come on as the owner of the team <laughs> and have him come out of retirement and play quarterback. I saw a tweet yesterday from Jeff Darlington of ESPN that all the other owners would have had to approve Tom Brady being a part owner and, and a player, player right. at the same time. Also, the Dolphins reached out to Sean Payton while he was still coaching the Saints. And giving, they didn't ask any kind of permission. Right, did not ask permission. So basically creating three separate instances of the Dolphins tampering with another team's quarterback or another team's head coach. Um, I know this story, I, it was pro foot. Mike Florio was talking about the story a lot during the offseason about, hey, the Dolphins were tampering and the NFL was investigating it. And now they've lost a first and third round pick. Their owner has been fined $1.5 million. He's also suspended for a couple of months, which that is kind of weird. Anything. Yeah. So. I guess to go back to the beginning of this, how close were the Dolphins actually having Sean Payton and Tom Brady? I mean, I guess they were close if they weren't cheating. Right? If they weren't cheating. I mean, uh, we we don't know what Sean Payton's going to do. I think he takes the, this year off and, and coaches again. And he's probably going to be the coach Yeah, we're going to get a movie out of He's probably going to be the Dolphins coach next year. This Steven Ross kid, uh, I don't know. I think Steven yeah. Ross kind of got off kind of he's easy ancient. Here. $1.5 million is easy? It's to him? To him? The, the Jason Fitz cents. did the math yesterday live on radio. It would be the equivalent of, if you made $100,000 a year, it would be the equivalent of $19. Yeah. Don't to want him? To, give up $19. to him. Yeah. He's, I mean, the first round pick, I think, is big. Well, okay. And that's... How, I think that's big. How bad is this? They the NFL took a first and a third from him, fined him one point five million, suspended an owner, which I don't remember owners really being suspended. Other than yeah, Dan through Stadion. October, like, I think he can't go to some meetings. Right, but this is like one of the biggest punishments the NFL's probably given yeah. to an organization ever. Am I wrong for thinking this tampering is not that big of a deal? I mean, like he had a they had a meeting with Tom Brady and called Sean Payton. I mean, it'd be a big deal if it happened to the team you follow, right? I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I would like, be like, wait a second. And he'd say that's our quarterback. Right. So is this simply just owners being like butthurt that, oh, wait, you're talking to my player? Oh, I think that has a lot to do yeah, with it. He yeah, he broke that the trust yeah. among the billionaires. Yeah. But I'm just like, of all the things that, that teams or owners have done, this has gotten punished like way more. And I'm just like, I don't. I don't think it's that big of a well, deal. Brady Jerry get, Jones has always done it the right way. So <laughs> what did Brady find get out? for uh, inflating Ben Wallace? Four games? It was an, yeah, it got reduced to four yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I, I I just don't like in all honesty, like if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be like, hell yeah, I hope you're talking oh, to Dolphins. If I'm a Dolphins, Dolphins fan, sure. And if I'm if you're a fan of any other team, you're like, 
Why wasn't You're... my owner talking to Tom Brady? <laughs> that, that's the like, whole, that's the best part of it is if this had worked, the Dolphin fans would have been like, "Fine, take the oh, whole draft." Yeah, pick. right. Like I just I don't know. Like yes, I I I understand you don't want teams tampering with other teams' players. Whatever the NFL just laid the hammer down on the Dolphins, and I'm like, I don't, I just don't think this was that bad. Well, and they found that they couldn't find what uh, Brian Flores said, which was they tried to lose okay. on purpose. They couldn't find which, that. Okay. Oh, they yeah, I'm find sure it. they did could. find it. That's the oh, thing. I thought they didn't. Did you re- okay. I thought they didn't find it. I okay. read it, and and so they couldn't find proof. I thought that they so did Brian that. Flores, the former Dolphins coach, claimed that he was offered a hundred thousand dollars for every loss. This is what the investigation said. The investigation also found that Ross's offer of a hundred thousand dollars for every loss of which there were differing recollections about the wording, timing, and context, was not intended to be taken as, as a serious offer, nor was the subject pursued in any respect by Mr. Ross. So the NFL investigated this. They basically proved that the owner told the head coach, I'll give you $100,000 for every loss, but the NFL determined, oh, he was just joking. Okay. That's what their investigation yeah. found. That the owner jokingly told the head coach, every time you lose, I'll give you $100,000. I wonder how they determined that. They they just I mean, decided that they, they didn't it. want to have a tanking scandal. Did they scandal talk to the other NFL? people who were there during the meeting and or during the uh, discussion and said, no, no, I was there and he was just messing around? Yeah, all people that work for Stephen Ross and the right. Dolphins. Like, yeah, who don't want to get fired. <laughs> exactly. There's no way that's accurate. That the, the NFL investigated this. They determined that the owner told the head coach, yeah, he absolutely said he'll give him $100,000 for each loss and then came back and said, but he was just joking. Well, I also think in here they said that they, I don't know if it was uh, someone working for him or not, that they determined, they determined he did at one point say the part about our draft position is more important than winning. Right, right. And the NFL then came out and said, we have no evidence of tanking. Yes, you do. You absolutely have. Now, again, I like tanking. I don't have a problem with it. But for the NFL to say... Oh, we have no evidence of tanking. They're lying. They're in their they contradicted themselves. Like their report says they found evidence of tanking, and then they came out and said, "Ah, he was just joking that whole time." Stephen Ross is just a funny guy. You think they? Do you think they screwed over the Dolphins with the penalty? I do. I do think it's too harsh of a penalty for what they actually did, and it's it's one of the most significant punishments a team's ever gotten. Like, well, the first round pick is the yeah, most important. A part first, there. a third, one point five million, yeah. and the owner suspended for whatever it is, like two Til months. October. Like, that's a lot. That doesn't happen to NFL teams, and it's because he called Tom Brady a couple of times. I don't yeah, know. His I, his, uh, his right hand man did that. Deal. I just, yeah, I just think that's a very high punishment for something that, that to me doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like no, we, you're in favor of it. Right? What do you mean that big of a deal? Right. You yes, want exactly. <laughs> Why has Mark Davis not called Tom Brady? <laughs> Has he called Patrick Mahomes yet and said, hey, did he called Sean Payton before uh, he did McDaniels? Right. Like, that seems perfectly reasonable. I would want the owner to be calling the best <laughs> quarterbacks in the league saying, do you want out of your current situation? Because we'd love to have you. We'll give you half ownership well, of the remember team. Remember, Mark Davis was talking to Tom Brady at that UFC fight before he signed with the Bucks. Yeah. What did he talk to him about? I sure hope he walked up to him and said, how would you like to play for, <laughs> for the, the Raiders? Raiders. We've if, already had your picture on the front of the paper. Right. We don't even need to do that again. If he didn't tell him that, he's a bad owner. Like, that's what you should be doing. All right. Coming up next, Hugh joins the show.
Juan Soto is now a Padre. Back to the show about him. <laughs> it's a great day, Ed. Last two days have been great for Juan yeah. Soto. Yeah. Joining us now, you can hear him over on Red Nation Radio on Necessary Roughness, Hugh Myers. Good morning, Hugh. Are you already in Ohio? I am already in Ohio, man. I have not slept since, uh, well, I woke up yesterday. So oh. <laughs> there you oh. go. So it's so- been it's it's been one of those days, man. Caught a red eye out of Vegas all the way into Cleveland. Got a rental car. Drove into Canton, Ohio. Picked up what I had to pick up. And now I'm Akron right now. So I'm making my round. I asked you yesterday or maybe two days ago, can you sleep on planes? And you said 50-50. It appears you can't sleep on planes. No, no. It, it was funny, though. I had uh, Jerry Robinson, um, you know, former Raider linebacker back in the day, played with Cliff Branch. I had him on the plane sitting directly next to me. And so we got a few good laughs because, well, uh, there's always something funny that happens on planes, right? And so uh, there was some kind of issues going on between the there was service dogs on our plane oh and there was God. pets, and there was only supposed uh. to be a certain amount of service dogs, and there was only supposed to be a certain amount of pets, and then they didn't have a, a cage or a kennel, whatever you like to call oh. it, for the dog, and so the people were not very happy, and literally we did not leave Vegas for about 25 minutes because they were trying to figure out this uh, service dog slash pet situation. So yeah, there's that. So I'm guessing you're not a fan of people flying with their pets. No, no, I'm not. And then on top of that, and I thought I was smart, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to get, I I saw the seat was available in the first row. So I reserved that seat. I'm like, man, I'm going to get this seat. Great. Well, of course, my luck. I have a lady and her child right behind me. (sighs) And the whole flight, this child is kicking me in the back of my chair. (sighs) And it's a child, so I don't want to reach back and, you know, um, let the child know about itself. But could it have. would have been fine. It would not have been fine. I tried to. I tried to get the uh, uh, the lady's attention. Like, hey, this is really bothering the mess out of me. Can we change this up? But to no purpose. So there you go. So it's been it's been one heck of a, uh, a night slash morning. I've I once because of a child got free booze an entire flight because a child wouldn't stop harassing me did you try that move no no i didn't i was just i kept looking back and shaking my head and you know i I felt at one point like the kid was even messing with me i thought that maybe uh the kid reached in between the seats and like grabbed my arm or something but maybe that was just on my plane tricks on me i don't know man it was it was bad business that's way that's way too long a flight for that nonsense yeah exactly that's exactly what i was thinking and so yeah then it became something and then one of the stewardess, uh, they got mad at the other lady uh, that was a stewardess as well. And she's like, I'm not going to talk to her. And so I'm sitting in the front row, so I'm hearing all their gossip. And then on top of that, how about this? And I won't disclose what airline I was on, but at the end, right when we're about to land, this lady's like, yeah, when we get to Detroit, I think we'll go get COVID tested. And I was like, wait, hold on, what? You know, like, why is that even part of the conversation? Like, why are we having this conversation? She's like, I can't believe it. Once we took the masks off, we weren't it. We all of a sudden we got COVID, and then this guy chimes in, like, "Yeah, I got COVID as soon as I took the mask off." I was like, "Holy hell, what are we talking uh, about here?" So yeah, yeah, it was not good. So how do you feel <laughs> that you've put up with all this and you still haven't slept for a game in which the starters are not going to play? Right, exactly. Well, look, I'm just glad to be here in Canton, Ohio, and shout out to Subaru of Las Vegas to uh, help provide the the uh, opportunity to be here. But yeah, I'm excited about it just because. It's the Hall of Fame, and, you know, uh, obviously Raider Nation Radio 920, we're not going to see too many more Raider Hall of Famers. And, you know, I mean, when's the next one coming up? You know, and this is the same thing I said last year when we were here for Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. I thought, 
I don't think I'll ever come back here, at least for a very long time. And then all of a sudden they decided to put Cliff Branch in, which I think was long overdue, but I'm, I'm glad to see it, him going in now. And I know Mark Davis plans a huge party where he rented out the whole hotel. And it's so funny, that's what uh, Jerry Robinson was telling me. He said, man, Mark made it easy. All I had to do was uh, pay for my flight, and I'm good. You know, all I got to do is get to the hotel, and everything else is good and taken care of. So uh, Mark is planning a massive, massive party for uh, Cliff Branch, and uh, we all know that that was his best friend. So I'm just excited about being here. And then, of course, you know, the game on Thursday really isn't going to be a whole a whole lot of anything, but it's football activity, and it gives me an excuse to, to be at a football game and in a press box again. Well, I mean, if you listen to Devontae Adams, you'll be there for Derek. Yeah, you'll Derek, Derek Carr's going to be a Hall yeah, of Famer. Come there. on. You're going to be there. You, you get another <laughs> flight to Canton. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. I digress. <laughs> I'll stay away from that conversation. So uh, I did. I did think it was pretty funny when Aaron Rodgers uh, fired back. Yes. You know, in, in the only in Aaron Rodgers type way. Well, when you're going from Hall of Fame wide receiver to Hall yeah. of Fame wide receiver, then you know. So yeah, he he caught. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be that that way. So I thought that was pretty funny. Q yeah. is with us from Raider Nation Radio. He's in uh, Ohio for the Hall of Fame game. Thanks to Subaru Las Vegas for sending Raider Nation Radio. Um, I'm curious. Who do you think you're going to see play on Thursday on the offensive line? That's a good question. I think Alex Leatherwood has to get some burn, right? I mean, you have to give him as much opportunity as possible. I think Lester Cotton Sr., uh, I think he has an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do now that he's gotten all the praise and Ed knows it's being at training camp every day. He's gotten a lot of praise, got a lot of conversation. The last media session we had with him was fantastic. He said all the right things. He's kind of showing all the right things in practice. Now you want to see it against somebody. So I think Lester Cotton uh, Sr. is the guy that's going to uh, participate at the, the right guard position. I'm interested in the center. I don't know if Andre James is going to be out there. I would probably say he's not, but I would think that John Simpson next to him at the left guard position, uh, yeah, left guard, should be out there just because there's a lot of unknown there. I think we'll see uh, the rookie Dylan Parham. I think you'll see a lot of Thayer Munford, also the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State. I think you'll see a lot of those guys, but as far as guys that you know we're familiar with, I think John Simpson gets some burn. I think Alex Leatherwood has to get some burn. And then you also um, – and then who else did I say? Uh, uh, oh, and then uh, Lester Cotton. I don't know how I forgot that name. He's been only the most talked about guy in training <laughs> I mean, so far. Colton Miller can't get any snaps, can he? No, 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 no. I wouldn't put him out there. I wouldn't put him out there to save anyone's life, right? I mean, there's just no reason for that. Uh, he gets injured in a Hall of Fame game that means absolutely nothing <laughs> protected Jaron Stidham or Nick yeah. Collins or Chase Garbers. That would just be ridiculous. So, no, I don't think I don't think Colton Miller gets any burn at all. Do you think that Lester Cotton may have opened up the gate to a bunch of random people coming up to Derek Carr and being, hey, how do I start? <laughs> That's what he said. He said that his rookie year asked him how he could be his starting guard. And, you know, Derek gave him, I guess, a couple pointers. But obviously it didn't work because he was out of the league for a little while. And, you know, wasn't. And he's been cut four times. And so, you know, he, he to his credit, you know, he found his way back, continued to grind. Uh, obviously, he, as he mentioned, he leaned heavily on his faith and his wife. Uh, and I, I, I like that story. I root for guys like that just because, you know, there's so many other guys that don't appreciate the opportunity they have, like a Damon Arnett who had an opportunity who was highly overdrafted and then just kind of pissed off his whole career already. I mean, it's just I, I root for guys that are behind the eight ball and they continue to, to grind. So I'm hoping that Lester Cotton could be that guy. Uh, but I think that, you know, just knowing that he's been cut four times by the Raiders and was out of football for a whole year and still is at this opportunity where he might be starting, 
you know, when the season opens up against the Chargers on September 11th. That's a hell of a comeback story. So don't ask Derek Carr for advice. You'll get cut four times. There you go. Boom. There it is right there. Don't ask Derek Carr because you may get cut four times, and hopefully that you can uh, you can bounce back. But uh, who wants to take that chance, right? Did anything surprise you about the depth chart other than Leatherwood being the one right tackle? Um, Nate Hobbs being the outside corner, you know, being the starter at the outside corner position, and I don't know if that's just because Trayvon Mullen is down right now or if that's an idea that they have. You know, and I think that Nate Hobbs can – can play that role as an outside corner. I think Nate Hobbs can play anywhere he wants on the field, to be honest. I think he's he's that good, and he has that chip on the shoulder, that edge to him. Uh, he said it the other day in the in the media session, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Nobody's supposed to make it from there. No, I have no nobody to look up to and say, oh, that guy made it from here. Uh, you know, he just he just wears that edge on his, on his sleeve, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I like it. And I even threw this out there when uh, I was on the show the other day on Radio Nation Radio 920. I said, it'd be kind of cool to see Nate Hobbs just shadow the number one wide receiver, whoever it is, right? I mean, that's what he's been doing in camp against Devontae Adams. And now he's not going to win every time, but that's the best DB that they have, in my opinion. Ed, if you see someone that you think's better, let me know. But I think Nate Hobbs, no doubt, is the best corner that they have, regardless where he plays. I'd love to see him just be that guy and say, I want the challenge of locking down or trying to run with the number one wide receiver on every team. I think that would be That'd be the way to go. The Raiders haven't had one of those guys in a very long time. Well, he is Q Myers. You can hear him over on Raider Nation Radio uh, in Ohio for the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> thanks to Subaru Las Vegas. Uh, get some sleep. I don't know what advice to give you at this moment, but hopefully it's not as bad as your last few hours. Uh, Q, thank you so much for joining thanks, us. Q. Hey, now that you gave me that advice, hopefully I don't get cut four times. Be well. <laughs> So there is good, there is Q live from Ohio after what sounds like the worst flight he could have possibly <laughs> yeah. taken. Doesn't sound you absolutely you uh, heard about kids and it just went you just uh, well, the, the, the kids genuinely like okay I've kicked the seat now time to time to grab the arm yeah, what's yeah. going like, on what, there? what is reaching through oh what a disaster you ever had somebody put their foot up near your armrest oh god oh. I hate that. Uh, yes, he said. I've I've had it a couple times in a window seat. They'll put their foot up like in on, the li- on the window, kind of yes. their heel will sort of be resting on the back of yours, and I'm like, uh, your foot's like two inches from me. Like, let's calm down over here. I've had many leaners where the person in front, you know, take and in today you you just flew. I mean, I'm sorry, they pack you in there, so I don't lean back. I, I think that's I, I just won't do it because I'm like, it's just we're packed in here. I I refuse to lean back, but I've had so many people lean back. I'm not going to say there hasn't been a foot in the back of the chair a couple oh, times. Man. Oh, man. Not a foot, like a knee. A like, knee, yeah. Right oh, here, just like, you okay, know, just I will pushing, say. Just pushing on I it. will say that, yeah, if you lean back, my knees are going Yeah, the knees, are, the knees are going forward when you lean back. And yeah. every time we hit turbulence, I am being overdramatic about like, oh, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't bother me that much. The leaners? The chairs don't lean back far enough to make a difference to me. Really? Yeah. Is yeah, the like first I, person I've heard that are okay with leaners. Yeah. Did, do you do you fly like a good airline? <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, you do. The chairs don't. I, they don't lean back yeah. far enough for me to notice anything. Yeah, he he pays more than nineteen dollars per flight, so he he's in a different he's in a different class than the me. new Southwest planes. Maybe the real old ones when it's packed in there, it's hard. Leaners are hard, and they. I mean, I have to stretch. At that point, I'm stretching the knees out. I also don't <laughs> lean my chair back unless there's a child behind me. But 
I've never like people lean their chair back in front of me often. I don't lean it. Doesn't it. doesn't bother me. Wow. Well, look All at right. Daddy Warbucks yeah, over exactly. here. I was gonna say. I'm fine with it. All right, we got tickets to give away to Seven O Brew Oktoberfest. Four day festival coming to the Orleans September 29th through October 2nd. And we got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want a pair of tickets to Seven O Brew Oktoberfest at the Orleans. 702-364-1100. Be called the number six at 702-364-1100. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. The Dodgers wish they traded for Juan Soto instead of Gallo. Congratulations to Armando. He won tickets to 702 Oktoberfest. <laughs> how do we how do we end Vince Scully with that? I think that's a perfect transition. I just don't think yeah. so. Uh, so Vince Scully Press box transition passed away yesterday at the age of 94. Was a broadcaster for 67 years before retiring in 2016, if I remember correctly. 2016. Um, so nearly seven decades. Man of calling sporting events uh called a lot more than just the dodgers did a lot of football did a lot of golf as well called the uh play between uh, montana and clark against the cowboys i forgot about that till i watched it last night uh he actually called that play called the masters nbc cbs i mean he i think a lot of people forgot that he was the voice of those two networks and because obviously he was just you know recognized by the dodgers yeah and he did just dodgers for the last Yes. 10, 20 years yeah, of yeah. his career. Like he wasn't doing. No, that I was remember. a long time ago yeah. when he did other things. So like people like me, I, I never saw him. I never heard him calling a not like non Dodger games. Right. Like there was never another sporting event where it's Vince Scully. So I think a lot of people only remember them because he didn't, he hadn't done it for a very long time. But uh, how did you find out during the Dodgers game last night? I found out during the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, like I it came on. The that, did I, they, I you. Yeah, okay. I found out, and it came on, and then Twitter just completely blew up. They did they put like a they put it on the screen. At did they the, put a graphic uh, on the at, scoreboard at yes Dodger Stadium. Well, and they uh, they also I believe put it on a Giant Stadium. Yeah, yeah, at the stadium the game, they at put the stadium, it up there. Yeah, at the okay. Giants. Yeah, that'd be a surreal moment to be. Well, if you didn't know, which I'm sure they didn't, I hope they're not on Twitter during the game. <laughs> Uh, that would be surreal, Who especially be for the Dodgers during a baseball game. No, I'm talking about like the players, like the Dodger oh, players. The players, yeah, like yeah the Dodger yeah. players. They wouldn't know until they saw it on the screen. Yeah, so that's surreal. You're coming up the bat. It's a one-two count, <laughs> and all of a sudden you see Vince Scully is past Trey away. Turner trying to extend his hitting streak. Like, hold on a second. I, I haven't been here a long time, but am I? I'm hearing that he was important to this franchise. So Vince Scully, the voice of your childhood. Voice of. I, you stole it. I oh, was just going to say that. I'm sorry. I'm the voice of the childhood. Me. Sorry. Did yes. he have some good calls on Steve Yeager plays? He did have good. <laughs> I'm sure he did have good calls on Steve Yeager plays. Um, sure. Growing up, it was the uh, clock radio. Uh, Jared will remember those. Yes. With the little. I mean, I've seen movies. Yes, exactly. Um, so there'd be the trifecta of Vince Scully, Ross Porter, and Jerry Doggett. And you would have loved Ross Porter because he was the analytical guy before analytics. Like he, the numbers and the stats, and that's kind of was his thing. Was he I mean, saying not to bunt in 1960? Well, I don't know about that because I wasn't around. I yeah, I, 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 pretty sure Head was born in like the 80s. <laughs> I was not born in the 60s. Okay, so I wasn't there, but maybe he was saying that. Be um, great. 
He was the analytical guy. Then Jerry Doggett, God love him, uh, middle innings had a few pops in him every night. So he had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like this show. <laughs> yeah, <he's... laughs> you're you're Vince Scully. He's the uh, analytics guy. And... <laughs> Jerry Doggett. Uh, hey, I I have a role. So then Scully would start it off, and then he would end it. And uh, yeah, if I didn't fall asleep, uh, listen to him every night. Yeah, this voice of the childhood. This sounds like the greatest baseball broadcast ever. And like Vince Scully's not even is only a third of it. Like you're telling me, yeah, he there started was a guy, and ended it. There was a guy There's in the analytical 80s that guy. was just talking about stats the whole time, which All the I time. would love. Uh, you would, and love. then there was another guy who may or may not have been drunk once you got to the. And sixth let's say inning. may or may not, because I don't want to go out on a limb and say that that happened. But if you listen to it, you're like uh, Jerry. Uh, I don't know really what you're saying. Like because those are the two types of color analyst I want when I watch baseball. I either want a guy that's going to go like heavy into the stats or a guy that's like, yeah, he doesn't have a filter anymore and he's right. just going to say whatever comes <laughs> yeah. into his mind. Well, the ro- got, ro- Yeah, ro- he's bad in the first and second, but you got to get to the third because by then he's at his third whiskey and coke. <laughs> I mean, Porter, he'd give you the Dodgers, you know, in night games uh, over the first 50 games. You would have loved him. He was, and he, he was amazing with some stats. He's like, how do you know that? The way you're Telling me this, I would have listened and been like, I hope that Vin Scully guy would be quiet so the other <laughs> yes. two can talk. <laughs> Not dog it. You no. would have loved Porter. You would have lo- you would have absolutely loved Porter with his numbers and stats. Uh, I mean, Scully was the best. Um to do it as long as he did it. So ninety four uh ninety four was that that would have been eighty eight, right? Yeah. Eighty eight and still I've never, ever, ever and I don't think we ever will again hear a broadcaster intertwine incredible stories with calling a game. Ever. He would intertwine the great stories and then you yeah. go, oh and two. I, and, I, he, and he I, would keep you up with the game. And you're like, how are you paying attention to this game telling the story? I got a story that I'm a Vin Scully story that I'm gonna play at a round eight fifteen that I Which think is you, just you're going to amazing. be amazed. Yeah. I I honestly think if like a new broadcaster, even if they were as good as Vin Scully, tried to do that today, we wouldn't like it. No, you just want to you just want to hear him talk right. about the yeah, game. Yeah, like I think yeah. if if whatever Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN had some broadcaster that was making his debut and told stories like that, I I don't think people in the middle would like of the game. It. Yeah, yeah, I don't think people would like it. I think there'd be enough complaints that, that guy would do one game. Really? And it would be one game only. I I think that's what people would complain about nowadays.